Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the officially unofficial Def Leppard podcast, Def Leppard. I'm Neil Poole and joining me today is Paul Burns. And Paul, we're going to talk about the stuff that lead singer Joe Elliott has done outside of Def Leppard. Now in a very juvenile manner, like a kid who would pick their favourite Spice Girl, Joe is my favourite leopard. Now we could have discussed non-leopard music for various members of the band, Phil, Viv, Pete Willis back in the day, right? But I've opted for Joe. Would you have gone for Joe too if I had given you a choice and this was some sort of democratic process? does feel like the natural choice. It is, to all intents and purposes, this is Joe's band, so it does feel like the natural choice. So this is what we're going to do. I put together a 10-song playlist of songs where Joe has done one of the following. He's either provided a guest vocal for another artist on an original song, or he's contributed to a tribute for a particular artist, or we've got some Down and Out songs, which is his side project, but Down and Out songs written by him. There's a cheeky one there too as well, which technically is branded as Def Leppard, but when we get to it, I'm making a call that it's 90% Joe, really, in reality. Oh, and there's also a Joe cover as well. So it's an eclectic mix of different types of songs featuring Joe, just a heads up to the listeners first as well as none of the audio of these songs is going to feature on this episode. So there's not going to be clips coming in and out. But if you go and have a look at the show notes below, then there is a link to nine of the songs on Spotify. And then there's one song that wasn't on Spotify, which we'll get to and flag up. And that's called This Is For You. Actually, I'll just tell you now. And that is on, on YouTube. So We're going to go through these songs in no particular order, not even the order that we've done them. But I think first thing I'm going to ask you, Paul, is I sent you these 10 songs. I had no idea how many you'd heard, how many you hadn't heard. What was your just initial and general takeaway from this mixed bag of songs that I sent you? I enjoyed the opportunity to dive into something that, in truth, I would probably never, ever have got around to doing so this has been a really lovely excuse and off the back of it it is something that i would encourage listeners to do this is a 40 minute playlist plus the one that's on youtube and this is a really lovely way of killing that commute to work or whatever it might be it's there's a lot of quite interesting and fun stuff actually in all this so that was just really enjoyed the opportunity or the excuse is probably a better word i enjoyed the excuse to go in and take a listen to these songs you know, previously you've asked me about whether there was any particular objective behind the playlist. Um, and previous playlists have been to try and persuade someone that Def Leppard are really good. The ones that we do on the album reviews and we take them out to have like an eclectic mix. This one was a little strange because we'll come to them, I think. But I put some stuff on this where I was pretty certain I don't think Paul's going to be that keen on this. And I sent other stuff where I thought, I think Paul will really, really like this. Now, part of that as well is because, you know, there isn't a million of these songs featuring Joe Elliott. You know, there's, you know, there is a bit of a ceiling on how many there is. There's probably, 
if you take all of the down and out stuff as well, we've done 10 songs here. There's probably about 40 songs that you could go to. If you take out a lot of the down and out stuff, then it's a much lower number. It's probably around 15 or something like that. And there's one or two of these that I'm not that keen on, but I was thinking, well, Paul might like this. To start us off, Paul, right? Give me one of the songs that you did like and was really sort of keen on. And I suppose as well, the thing to say here as well, and we'll touch on this, is when we're talking about liking these songs, one is, do we like the song in and of itself? And secondly, what do we think of Joe in this song? So it's going to be interesting uh, discussing these, but give me one that you felt overwhelmingly positive about to begin with, then I'll give you a little bit of background as well. Overwhelmingly positive. Let's go for the best song on this, my favourite song, because we'll come to favourite performance. Favourite song, Don't Look Down, the song with Mick Ronson. Right, okay, Don't Look Down. So I'll give you a little bit of Don't Look Back, Don't Look Down background. Had you heard this song before? No, and this was, for me, on this, like I said, 40-minute playlist, this is the gem for people who've not heard it. Although the Facebook thread that you started just not long before this recording shows that quite a few people have heard this and are aware of how good a song this is. For those who don't know, this is a, it's a gem. Right. Okay. And that Facebook thread that you talked about, what we'll do is at the end of this episode, I'll go through some of the people's responses. I essentially asked them what was their favorite non deaf Leopard song that Joe featured on. As Paul's indicated, Don't Look Down came up a lot, but we'll just go through some of the other people's answers as well. So the stuff that isn't on this playlist and stuff we're not going to discuss. This is all about just as introducing you to as much of this stuff as we can. And you can go and see if you like it. If you like Def Leppard, there's a good chance that you will. We'll see. Okay, so don't look down. This is an original Mick Rodson song written for his Heaven and Hull album, which was released a year after his death. So it was released in 1994. That album, Heaven and Hull, features a lot of guests accompanying the legendary David Bowie, Sidemen and Spiders from Mars guitarist and producer and arranger Mick Ronson. So there's two songs on the album that feature Joe. Three, if you actually count the live version of All the Young Dudes from the Freddie Mercury tribute concert, which is on there as well. The other non-live song, the one we're not going to discuss, is Take a Long Line, but the jewel in the crown of Heaven and Hull. And the actual opener of that album as well is Don't Look Down. So, Paul, I guess that opening slot reveals how highly they rated this song. Yeah, I believe it was also the lead single from that album as well. So what got me about it and the reason it just leapt out to me, we'll talk, you've mentioned eclectic is a word that's probably going to come up a fair bit across this, across these songs. This one, it's just got a really nice heavy chug to it. So it, the, the bass in particular is, you know, to, to, to steal a cliche, it's a, it's a driving bass line. It really underpins <clears throat> what's going on in the song. There are two fantastic guitar solos on this that are played by Mick Ronson himself, I believe. And Joe himself, he does sound very uh, of his early 90s ilk. This mm. vocal performance will not come as a surprise to anyone who has enjoyed the Don Valley show, for example, or some of those, beasts, uh, you know, the, the In the Clubs In Your Face live shows uh, that from 92, I think that was. So 
yeah, that, that, that his performance is fantastic, but the song itself, I was just surprised, if I'm totally honest, Neil, to find a song on this list that I enjoyed as much as this. This is something that will enter into regular plays in my life from this point forward. I, I really, really enjoyed it. it. It probably is the heaviest for song on here. And to anyone who's sort of familiar with my music taste of having listened to a number of these podcasts, that won't come as a surprise that it's my favourite. Do you know what I thought in, I think is interesting about this song, and I, I've always thought this, is that, you know, normally when you hear a song, you can say, that sounds a bit like A, that sounds a bit like B, that sounds a little bit like C. And by no means am I saying this is a completely unique song, but I must admit, I find it very difficult to pin down in saying, oh, this sounds like something, to be able to, you know, um, explain to people in some way what it, it does sound like. You've read my mind to a large extent because we've, uh, you know, we've we've exchanged a few messages in the build up to recording this album, and I've there's a few things throughout the few of these songs where I've just written down it reminds me of basically, and for various reasons, and I'll get to the reasons when we get to the individual songs. I haven't written that down for this song. Didn't remind me of anything. If it was going to be a Def Leppard song, it would be a song that would exist on slang. I would argue. And I can't really think where else it would fit. So don't come to this expecting necessarily something that would be a, a Def Leppard substitute. This belongs on this Mick Ronson album, which I'm intrigued to go and listen to now. It's, yeah, it, it certainly has its own place in this little playlist. Apparently the lyrics for this were written not by Mick Ronson, but by a gentleman called Colin Allen. No relation, I believe. So I bought this single back when it came out in... 1994 lovely little digi pack thing and it's cool when you open it up on the inside i don't know if you can see that paul obviously people listening can't but there's a whole there's a whole sort of spiel there from joel it's just about you know how good mick ronson is how influential he is in a way doing a little bit what we're doing for joe now where he's referring back to certain albums and he's saying you know check out these songs these are all like particularly good and everything so there's a really in the single as well there's a really nice narrative about mick ronson and the making of this album and, and everything that happens sort of around it uh, in there and it's also got as well on top of it um free Mick Ronson songs, not featuring Joe Elliott from a couple of his um, early albums. I hadn't listened to this. So I rediscovered this song, Paul. I bought it at the time. I liked it. I listened to it for a while. And then I never listened to it for, well, nearly 20 years, I would say. And then when I was doing the Desert Song episode of Death Lab Pod, which touches a lot on Mick Ronson I dug this song out again I was blown away by how good it was so I'm really really happy that you hearing it from the first time as well we're, we're so impressed by it as well yeah and uh, if you're getting that I know this is it, it well I would encourage people to go and google that CD just for the image because you can't get that out and show it to me down the camera without us commenting on what Joe looks like on the cover well, he looks good he look, he's leaning he's got his sunglasses on He's got like a sort of, he's got a skull tie-dye type vest on. He's still a bit mullety fringy, I would say. You know what I mean? He's not looking, he's not 1995 Joe. My favourite Joe. Is that your favourite Joe as well? My favourite Joe as well, yeah. But I've got I've, always, I've got a massive soft spot for any hair metal, glam metal look. And Joe is peak hair metal look on this. Yeah. He looks 
absolutely brilliant. So go and, do you know what, Google image the single or go and buy it just so you've got a copy of the cover, so you've got a piece of eye candy because he just looks wonderful. He does. And Mick Ronson behind him is all in like, is yeah. like sort of three times as big and is in like a golden light and looks like looks like the lion out of the Wizard of Oz or something. He looks great. Exactly the comparison I was going to draw. You know, like, who's the most lion-like singer? It's James Hetfield of Metallica, Circa, the Black yes. Album. It looks like an absolute lion. Mick Ronson looks like a lion on that uh, in the background there. And again, just looks completely gorgeous. It's it's a yeah. really lovely little cover. And there's one last thing on this. I just wanted to say what I love about this song as well. I mean, you've got the cool riff, the boom, 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 boom. It sounds better than that, but it does sound a little bit like that. No. <laughs> but it's got Mick Ronson on vocals as well. So that double track vocal that you can hear is not actually Joe double track. It's Mick Ronson because if you go back and listen to those early Mick Ronson songs as well, he's got like, a, you know, he's got a cool voice, quite unique um, as well. So yeah, definitely check out this song. This is, so we've got, this is a hit. Um, I haven't put together any sort of scoring mechanism or anything, but I can. I think this gets a unanimous from me and Paul. Thumbs up. So definitely go out and check it. Right, next, Paul, what I want you to do is give me one where you're struggling to think of anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's get them out of the way. We'll go for Almighty Love. It's, he sounds great. So to get performance, you know, to, to not want to repeat myself, because there's, there's some points on this where it's really worth digging into Joe's performance. But this is, he just sounds good on this. This is a pleasant ballad. I didn't have anything else to say about it whatsoever. Didn't do anything for me, I'm afraid. That's not a problem. Okay, so song, as you said, it's called Almighty Love. It's an original song which is written and performed by M. Griner, I believe you say her name. And this is from her 2006 album, The Summer of High Hopes. And Joe provides a guest vocal on this in the second verse and the chorus. Right. Do you know what I thought when I heard this? I don't believe in musical guilty pleasures. I've always no, said me. that. I've always said, me, no chance you like something you like it never ever be ashamed of what you like or anything okay but when i was listening to this at first and it came on all of the toxic masculinity deep <laughs> within me was screaming you, you just really can't like this song it's just way too i don't know i'm trying to think of a word just a bit flowery and saccharine and it's just ah, oh, it's, it's a bit to, bear in mind, this is a person who got into music from Love Bites, which is the most ballady ballad ballad ever, and like says, you know, full of like love and emotion and, and all of that, Bites. right? Yeah, so I'm talking, from, I'm talking from a high tolerance level of sweet, sweet music, shall we call it? But even I found it a little bit much, and I was like, oh. put it this way, Mrs. Def Leppard walked in when I was um, sort of, you know, cleaning up in the kitchen and everything, and this was on, she would have definitely given me a second glance in terms of what are you listening to? Did, did you feel that sort of sense of, um, sort of, not shame? By the way, I, I, I am going to turn this around in a minute. Just in yeah, case anyone's listening and thinks I'm being horrible, I'm actually going to get to my points in a minute. But did you feel that too, or was that just my... So for me, I think we can see where you're probably going with this because, like you said, you, you don't you don't have guilty pleasures as such. For me, I, I did find it cloying. I wouldn't hesitate. What I will say is, I think if you are 
if you're someone who's minded to like the work with Alison Krauss on Diamond Star Halos, you might like this. This is a, well, it's like an adult contemporary pop ballad. So it's not rock. It's not out and out pop. Yeah. Adult contemporary ballad. I think the main problem for me is that just that I've only listened to it three times coming on. So all these songs I've listened to three times. I'm not entirely convinced it's a particularly good song, if I'm totally honest. It sounds like the chorus had other places it could have gone, in my opinion. Mm. So that also forms part of it. But am I, gonna, am I right here? Are you going to now say you like this? Well, I do. I've listened, to, I've listened to it quite a few times now. And I'm not saying that listening to it more than three times will change your mind. But do you know what? I thought, sack it. I actually really, really like it. I think Joe sounds great in it. I've got a thing for Joe singing this type of song. So, you know, when he was on the Taylor Swift country music thing that he did and he sang Love Song, he can eat these types of songs up for breakfast. I don't know if it's because of the register or the key that they're written in or anything. And we've talked before about Joe's sort of sweet spots in terms of, you know, where he sings and everything. And I just think, he sounds, don't get me wrong, M. Griner sounds really good in it as well. But I think he sounds really good in it as well. He hits a few high notes in this as well. That I'm not saying he doesn't hit notes that high in Def Leppard songs, but he hits them in like a soft way um, in this way. It almost goes into like a, a falsetto at the end of like, you know, a couple of words that he sings as opposed to like high screeching. And I thought that sort of stood out to me. I thought, oh, well, that's quite different. I like that. You don't normally hear him sort of hit those high notes in such a soft way in Def Leppard songs. And that's probably something that I would be up for hearing in future Def Leppard songs. But what I did also like about it, and listening to all of these, Joe Elliott, beyond his like sort of technical ability to sing, he's very good at putting on voices. You know, he's very good at sort of changing the character of his voice to sort of fit songs. And you said it before about sometimes he speaks in this sort of slight sort of like mockney way, like sort of, no, it's not his accent, and he, he like puts on a bit of a voice, and he does it like you know between songs also when he you know live. And I, I want you to go back, Paul, and listen to the way he says "smokes" in this. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> it's absolutely. He's like, I, I'm not going to do an impression of it, but you know, it's not his natural voice, but his voice. Do you know what? It'll work if I sing it like this, and it sounds really, really good. And he does like a lot of these songs where, like, you know, he'll adopt a bit of a different character for his voice. And he just put like little squeaks at the end of things and stuff. So for that type of thing, I'm I'm all for it. I've got a little Joe theory, having listened to these songs in re- regards to Joe's high notes, and it's very. Uh, precipitous timing. If anyone listened to the last episode, which was the second part of the Pyromania review, well, actually, I don't know if it will be the second episode as and when this one is released, but the, the Pyromania review, the second part, I made a point on there about Joe's live rendition around these vocals. You just said, Neil, I wrote it down as you, as you said it, you said you'd be up for hearing more Joe High notes in other Def Leppard songs. So I've got a point I'll kind of wait. I mean, I don't know if you want to segue into it, but the cover of Love Rain Over Me or Over Me, I've got a whole thing on what I think happens 
in these covers and why we're hearing that from Joe. And just on the on the aside, the, the accent thing, if, when we speak about When I'm Dead and Gone, there's an absolutely brilliant Joe Does Britney thing in When I'm Dead and Gone. So you've mentioned two songs there, Love Rain Over Me and When I'm Dead and Gone. You take it where you want to go. Which song, which of those two songs you want to talk about next? Love Rain Over Me, I would argue might be the best recorded Joe Elliott vocal ever. I don't know if he's ever committed anything to tape on a Def Leppard studio album that is as good as his vocal on Love Rain Oh Me. <laughs> yeah, a few little things on it. So first of all, his voice is on the mid-range, low, like deeper end bits. He's got the, this rich warmth that he has developed as he's aged. The highs that he hits on this it's all well and good in the first vocal uh, chorus and sorry the first verse and first chorus go and listen to the second verse and the second chorus on this and the final love he gives in this song he has never done that on record for Def Leppard I'm I'm really confident in stating that as someone who's been listening to Def Leppard recorded music for so long and so obsessively I think i have a theory as to why this is and it touches on something you just said neil you said you'd be up for hearing these kind of notes in other Def leopard songs i think there's a real problem with doing that practically which is that if ever you had to perform them live it'd be absolutely impossible and it's impossible for anyone nobody there's not a singer alive i genuinely believe there's not a singer alive who could go out and do this live in a night after night tour setting he can't hit these notes on a Def Leppard record for fear that it might have to be done live at some point. And I, just just as an example, just to kind of defend my, my stance there, because there might be people listening who will go, well, okay, listen, you're, you're acting as if Joe Elliott is, he's up there with a Bruce Dickinson type, you know, uh, 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 and, he, and he's, he's never been that. Freddie Mercury, right? Freddie Mercury is considered to be one of the great, like his range is absolutely unbelievable. Go and listen to Freddie Mercury at the Live Aid concert. He is wobbly as anything. And it's fine because it's live, it's real, it's no problem. People get wobbly when they perform live and when they're doing show after show after show. It's fine, it happens. And it's a reason that you can't do this. What I think Joe has done on this and indeed on a couple of other songs here is I think this is a one-shot deal. He knows it's the only time he's going to sing it. So what he's able to do is stretch himself to a point where it really doesn't matter if it, because if it goes wrong, obviously you get to retake it, but he doesn't ever have to perform like this live ever. Yeah. Um, My final thing. So this is so good. I don't know that I can go, you know, give more hyperbole than I think this is his best recorded vocal of all time. It's so good that I listened really closely for Jiggery Pokery on this. I listened for, is there auto-tune at play here? Or is it is someone harmonising with him somewhere on this? To the best of my knowledge, I don't know that Def Leppard have ever used auto-tune. I listened and I listened and I listened. I think this is a completely authentic, unreplicable vocal. I agree entirely. And just to give a little bit of background to it as well. Love Rain OME. So it's written O apostrophe ER. I'm just going to say over, Paul. Love Rain Over <laughs> Me. Uh, so this is taken from an album called Who Are You? An All-Star Tribute 
to the Who, and that is an album that very much does exactly what it says um, on the tin. It was released in 2012. The original version of this song is the final song on Quadrophenia, which is obviously an album by The Who, a very famous one, from 1973. It is also subtitled on Quadrophenia as Pete's theme. Um, And also, as well as Joe on vocals, this cover of the song also features Rick Wakeman on keyboards. He of Yes fame. I'm not going to lie, Paul. 50% of my motivation for doing this episode was just so I could talk about this song because I actually, even though it's only come out, even though it came out in 2012, I only discovered this song. I don't know if it was, I can't even remember. It was either just after Christmas or just before Christmas. I can't remember. And it was actually Joe Elliott who played it himself on his Planet Rock radio and uh, show. And he, he he put it on and I was like, and it was literally one of those. I had this a couple of times on Diamond Star Halos where I did actually think, is that definitely Joe Elliott? So there's, there's a bit on, um, I thought that at first when I first heard uh, this guitar, I was like, that really doesn't sound anything <laughs> like Joe or Def Leppard. And then I listen to it, then you hear it, and then it, it is because, you know, after years, you're sort of familiar with his voice. But this one, those high notes that he hit, I think you're absolutely right that they don't feature anywhere on a Def Leppard song because I had to really go back and think, is that definitely Joe? And it is definitely, definitely Joe. That bit where he just, it's the love, isn't it? It's where he shouts the word, or sings and shouts the word love. It's just, it's just fucking amazing. It, it really, it really is like quite like spine tingling stuff. Now, I did something, Paul. What I did is I thought, I bet yeah, there's loads of covers of this song, right? So I went out. Okay, on my streaming service of choice. You can probably guess what it is, considering there's a link to it in the show notes. And I just I just searched that song, and then I just listened to loads and loads of different versions of it. Because, and the reason was, is I am always aware of my Def Leppard, and particularly Second Dad Joe bias. So what I thought is, right, am I just over-egging this? I'm going to listen to a load of other people do it now. And they're all going to sort of... Um, battered out the park that's fully fully what i was expecting and i'm the first one to admit that pretty much any song that's got joe elliott on i'm gonna give the time of day and just the very fact that joe elliott's voice is like a warm blanket of my lifetime to me and just comforting if nothing else even if it's the shittest song in the world and even if he's not very good on it i'm probably still gonna quite like it so that's I'm being open and transparent here in my biases, right? I listened to I listened to the original, right? If there's any Who fans listening, right? He's, he's better than Roger Daltrey on this. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what you say. Send stuff to me in the post. Bullets, pigs' hearts, whatever you want. He's he's better than Roger Daltrey on this. He, he is. I listened to a version with Eddie Vedder singing it, right? I love Eddie Vedder. I love Pearl Jam. They're up. They're like the sort of you know, just below sort of Def Leppard for me. And it's there's some bits of Pearl Jam I like more than Def Leppard. Uh, and I love Eddie Vedder so much, right? He's not as much as a second dad, but I, I, I love that man, right? Not as good as Joe. He's just not as good as Joe. So on this song, and this song only, I'm telling you, the best vocal I've heard of anyone do this is Joe Elliott. Yeah, I've heard this song covered loads of times. I, I didn't dig the same way you did, but this is a really... 
common cover. And yeah, uh, with absolutely just, uh, I mean, if people want to come back at me and say, for example, well, hold on, stage fright, or she's too tough, which is a really high register song all the way through. But the thing that they don't have is those songs are high register and that's about it. And it's in that screamy bit. They don't have the warm bits that this has as well. You know, I mentioned on the last episode, the treacly bits that Joe now has. So this has got that as well as these highs. And, it, you know, it's not just the note, actually. It's the power yeah, of yeah. the voice. That's where the Mercury Dickinson thing really stands up for me on this because the, the those two people are operatic in their delivery. I don't think that's a word previously I would ever have prescribed to Joe. You can absolutely prescribe it here. It's not just the high note, it's the power of the delivery. And I think we've got the perfect combination one on this one where it's it's Joe's performance is, is it's the best of any of the songs I would say on this playlist that we're talking about. But secondly, it's a brilliant song. I'm not a massive Who fan. I sort of pick and mix what bits of Who I like, but I think this is a really, really good song. Right then, so we've done Glowing Praise on two out of these three songs so far, and then we've had the other one, which I, I liked, you were less keen on. If there's any elephants in the room, I don't know if they are, give me your elephants in the room in terms of things maybe that you weren't so keen on. Well, didn't like Under My Wheels, to be honest. I, I do love their cover of Alice Cooper's Elected on the... That's from that Tilburg show as well. It was mentioned on the last episode, isn't it? I think. I, I don't actually think this is in direct contrast to what we just talked about. It almost sounds like this was a one-take vocal because I don't think Joe sounds all that good in the early part of this song. He does seem to warm to it. So it almost sounds like it's a one-take vocal because he's he's warming up as he goes through it. I wanted to fact check something on this. Is it, did it appear on the Promises B-side? Is this a 1999 recording or have I got that totally wrong? Don't think it did. Someone might no. be able to correct me on that. It was off an <coughs> album called Welcome to the Nightmare, an all-star salute to Alice Cooper. And that was released in 2005. This has actually got Phil Collin on it as well as Joe Elliott, but it's not Def Leppard. It's just it's just them it's just them two um, really. It comes from that album. Just a bit of background and then we'll we'll come back to it is the the original version of the song is the opening track in the first single from the nineteen seventy one Alice Cooper album Killer. And you can also find it in the Def Leppard Volume 3 box set on the Year Two C D or record. I don't think it was on Promises. I may be wrong. And the reason that I think that is partly what you've just said. I really I really like this song. And like I said, you put Joe on anything, I'm going to like it. So if you take a song that I like and then you put Joe Elliott on it, I'm going to like it. But it does sound like there's obviously a band being put together to be able to, you know, sort of construct this song. And it's really about Joe's vocals on top of it. And then you've got a Phil Collin, so there's a solo in it. So I agree, it does It does sound a bit like that. There's another solo. There are two positives out of this that I really enjoyed. First of all, there's a saxophone solo on this. And if you're playing a saxophone solo, you have my attention. And at the very end, Joe says, I don't want to get my hands dirty. And finishes it with a laugh as well, which was a theme of a recent episode. 
But he called back to slang uh, a little, like with the, I don't want to get my hands dirty. And that's not the only time in this playlist that you put together that that happens, actually. So we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, I, I just, to be honest, I wasn't a big fan of the song. I wasn't a big fan of the song. I, I didn't like the way it was put together. It's um, th- this one. Yeah, th- this might be alongside Almighty Love. Yeah, I don't know. This is this is kind of at the, the lower end for me. That cover of Elected, the live cover. What Def Leppard do, I think, when they cover that particular song? It's we've just talked about the Who, and I'm I'm not a big fan of the Who at all. But there's a cover of I Can't Explain by the Scorpions. And what the Scorpions do in that cover is they they somehow find the melody or somehow accentuate the melody. That's what Def Leppard do in their live performance of Elected. You know, they're such a, they are this heavy melody monster, aren't they, Def Leppard? And they, in the Elected cover, they just, they they really drag and draw that melody out of it. It's lovely. But this one, yeah, sax solo. Actually, it's a sax solo that hands over to Phil, which is nice. You know, there's something here to enjoy, but just, I'm not a big fan of the song. Not to be contrary, but the one thing about the song I don't like is the saxophone. I just, I'm not keen on saxophones. I'm, any, I'm not a saxophonist, you know what I mean? You know, or anything, but I've just, I'm just not keen on it in a pop or rock environment. Yeah, it's important that the the degree to, I, I have my tongue somewhat in my cheek around this, because if you were playing me a saxophone solo, <laughs> I'm picturing Channel 5 softcore. And that's the reason why, you know, saxophone solos I can, uh, I've got a bit of time for. Why have I got a memory of like a really sort of strong, muscly man, all oiled with like a sort of chain around his neck, playing a saxophone? Does that feature in like a a Michael Jackson video or a Madonna video in the eighties? Or yeah, again, let us know. Answers on a postcard to Maidstone, Kent. Right? Um, <laughs> oh, well, quick Wikipedia thing that I did. Right. One thing that I did find out is one of the other guitarists on this is a fella called Bob Kulik or Kulik or something like that with a with a K with a kick and K as they say in primary schools um, here. Right. And I looked into it. And do you want to know a cool little fact about Bob Kulik? He's a guitarist and he's a producer. When Kiss auditioned for a guitarist before Ace Freely joined the band. He was at the same audition and he thought he was really good and everything, but they gave it to Ace instead. And that's the fella who plays the guitar on this. I thought that was a little, that, that was a good little Wikipedia rabbit hole fact that I found. I'm here for any factoid. And then his brother, Bruce Klulik, did actually end up in Kiss, I think, in the 80s or 90s. I'm not a massive Kiss fan. So there you go. Right. We talked about this song having Phil Collin in it as well as Joe Elliott. So let's go on to the other song that has got Phil Collin in it as well. And it's a little bit of a cheat. So we're going to talk about When I'm Dead and Gone. Now, this is a cover of the debut single by a band called McGuinness Flint. I had never, ever heard of them. But this song reached number two in the UK chart in 1970. So this is just Joe and Phil. But I'm going to bet me house on it that Joe pick this song definitely it's just so the type of song that joe would pick in his encyclopedic knowledge of music and he go yeah we're gonna do that one now it's an acoustic song as far as i'm concerned phil's in it he does a nice solo and everything it's cool but it's all about joe i reckon joe picked the song it's joe on an acoustic guitar 
it's just about the vocal, really, and it's a very stripped down as a bear song. So it's it's Joe. So this comes under the moniker of Def Leppard, and it's a volume three box set. Um, again, the yeah, two CD or record. So go and check it out. But Paul, this is what I'm going to say: for an acoustic song with no drums in it, this is quite the toe tapper, isn't it? And there's a reason for that. As I think as soon as this came on, I started going, I wish that I knew what I know now. It's that, basically. It's it's ooh la la by the faces. And I thought that as soon as the song played, and then right at the very end, Joe starts going, ooh la la, ooh la la, yeah, yeah. And so they pick up on that. It's and that's it's 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 a rock and roll acoustic rhythm. You can have acoustic rock and roll, of course. I mean, look at Eddie Cochran. You know, it's, it's possible to have this that toe-tapping stuff. So that was the thing that stuck with me about this song, the fact that it sounds just like the faces. But this was the one I was referring to as well, where Joe does his Britney. It's on the... It's, right. who, got, it's who got the love? Uh, who got enough? A real uh, manoeuvring of the vowel sounds in order to make it sound rhythmic. And... I mean, it's mostly there on on Joe's maze and his bays, which is that that's the real. That's what Britney does. She does. She makes exactly the same sounds in order to make something sound more rhythmical. There's a really good reason for it, and it's just worth pointing out to. Though there's a lot of listeners from the US, and the US is, I think the US is the accent in which singing sounds most natural. In my yeah. humble, very humble opinion, if you sing in a Yorkshire accent. Sounds a bit daft, I think. So, and, and it can be done in regional in regional British accents, the Beatles, for example. But then you've also got Oasis, who sound absolutely dire. And the Darkness sound great. Justin Hawkins sings in a regional British accent. He sounds great. But by and large, a lot of British singers will affect, just like Joe does here, on this line, he will affect a change to his vowel sounds because if he sung it like a Yorkshireman, it'd probably sound a bit daft. I'll give you two examples for and against regional accents. And we'll start with the negative. A Liverpool band who sound horrendous, including their accents, and I would say very much exaggerating it because no one fucking sounds like that is cast. Now, ah. uh, knew where you were going, knew where you were going as soon as you started. Don't get me wrong, for the short time, I think like, I banged my head on the floor. I like cast for a little time, but <laughs> there's a song that goes, I'm so lonely. <laughs> it's the fucking worst. It sounds like it should be from Blood Brothers, the musical or something, which is also shit, by the way, everybody. Um, the the one where it does work, Yorkshire, Arctic Monkeys, I think that works. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's plenty of exceptions. It's just, I suppose what I wanted to do here was defend Joe, because I'm kind of taking the mickey out of him a little bit. And I just wanted to make the point that loads of British singers do it because, and then throw a little toffee to the American listeners as well, because I do think the American accent is very sing-songy. It's uh, this is it's the accent that gets aped the most when people sing. Let's take two songs at once next. Okay, so next up, we're going to do two songs from Joe Elliott's Down and Out. They're both from the 2019 album, This Is How We Roll. Now, with the exception of a song called White Punks on Dope, all songs on that This Is How We Roll album were written by Joe Elliott. And this is actually quite different to the first for the down and out. All of their previous albums all feature songs that were in some way related to 
Motley Hoople, whether it be the band Mott, band called British Lions, or Ian Hunter. And the songs that I wanted to just touch on are Last Man Standing and Let It Shine. I think this album is really, really good. And it was a nice holder for me between Def Leppard albums. And when I first heard this album, there was lots of stuff on this where I thought I'd like Def Leppard to sort of incorporate some of this. So I think you know where I'm going to be coming from in this one. And with these two songs, I love them. I think they're great. Last Man Standing and Let It Shine. I could have picked a load of other ones too. But I picked them and I thought, I reckon Paul's not going to be that keen on these. Was I right? Yeah, you were. And you know why, don't you? Because this is, this is, there's some foreshadowing for Diamond Star Halos here, I think, definitely. So, yeah, very piano based. You can go all the way back to Miss You in a Heartbeat. You know, in terms of Joe, we know that Joe will write on the piano. So you can go all the way back there. They, they didn't do an awful lot for me, so I really didn't have too much to say about either of them, except to say that they absolutely, I think, will appeal to people who view it in exactly the same way you do, which is that, hey, this is actually a pretty decent lead into Diamond Star Halos. And if you view it like that, I, I think there's lots to take from these two songs. He does, this is the second example in Let It Shine, a word that has been ruined for you, I know, because of Oasis. Did you read this as Let It Shine? Because I read it as like the Take That song. There's two problems that are not to do with this song, but are to do with associations with this song. So one is exactly the one that you just said, to Take That. So it's quite difficult to hear the words, Let It Shine, and not hear, Let It Shine. You know, the way Take That singer. And the little lad, who's the little lad in... Um... Mark Owen. Yeah, Mark Owen. And he's got the worst voice at a lot of them as well. So it's not even like, you know, you're sort of getting, you know... You know, like a Gary giving it something, or even even a Robbie, like you know, back in the day, it's the worst one with the really sort of like nasally thin voice, and I hate that song. And then secondly, as well, as you've just in, I cannot hear the word shine anymore without hearing shine. <laughs> you know, like the yeah. you know, like Oasis, and I've over the years as well. I used to, first Oasis came, album came out, I loved it all of that time. That album and that music gives me a lot of fond memories of things that were going on then. I accidentally butted Mrs. Def Pod in the crazy house while we were dancing to Live Together. Live for, live fond memories. I'm not. I'm not advocating <laughs> domestic violence. I was. I was hammered, and I just fell into <laughs> her, and my head hit her red, and then I nearly knocked her out. So, but nonetheless, <laughs> before that happened, I was really happy that night. So I've got fond memories of it. But now I just detest them. I absolutely hate them. And I've never had such a turnaround on a band ever. So what I'm saying to you, Paul, is on title alone, Let It Shine, it's got a whole lifetime of history working against it. Yeah. Yeah. I Uh, still love it. Yeah. So I drew both of those relations. I'm not surprised that you love this. This is the second example of Joe taking a lyric from a previous song. He says in this, I'm stood at the edge and I'm looking down, which is straight out of Fractured Love from yeah. Retroactive. So it's the second time he's done that. We mentioned the other one earlier. I didn't have anything more to say on it. I think this is for you to wax on. I'm not going to wax too much, but what I would say, Last Man Standing, beautiful song, excellent lyric. 
really, really good lyric. I like the opening line of, you know, uh, God took an axe to my family tree. I can't remember exactly what it says, but to paraphrase, um, doesn't look so godly to me. I like that. And then what he does then is he extends that metaphor throughout. And I love all that. And I think it's a really, really like such a good Joe lyric. And it's a nice heartfelt lyric. You, you can assume that this has come from like a personal experience of um, sort of like a loss in his family and everything. And I think it's just a really, really nice song. I was once told as well, you know, nice is the worst thing that you can say about something. Uh, ah, bollocks. I think it's nice. And I'm, I'm saying that in a very sort of positive way. Let it shine is all about the chorus for me. I think that if you, even in the whole Def Leppard catalogue, I think that's one of the best choruses I've heard for years in terms of like Def Leppard and Joe Elliott's output. I think it's such a cool, catchy, happy, sway chorus. And I would urge you to go back and listen to it again. And even if you, because there's a piano introduction at the start, which I think puts the song on the wrong foot. It, it makes us, it essentially makes the song sound like it's going to sound a little bit like Last Man Standing, or it's going to be of a low tempo throughout. But it doesn't. This picks up like massively in the chorus, and it's like you know, it's over six minutes long, and there's like a really cool guitar solo in, in it and everything. And I just love the chorus. So I'm like, Last Man Standing, beautiful song, great lyric, let it shine. If for nothing else. Just the chorus alone is one of the best choruses I've heard from Joe Elliott, Stroke Def Leppard, in years. I'm not saying there isn't stuff that's better, but I'm saying it's up there for catchy chorus. Really interested to hear what listeners to this podcast think about these two songs. I'll tell you what we've got next. We've got This Is For You. We can talk about that one next, or we can talk about... Spillways, is that it? I think that's all we got left. We've got spillways. Oh, Hell on Wheels as well. There. Yeah, Hell on Wheels is on there. And just again, didn't have a lot to say about this, but there's one thing in particular I've got to say about it. That, uh, if I'm right, I, I'm, I think I, you can, well, feel free to pat me on the back, Neil, if I'm right about this. So, first of all, the thing that I'll say about this is the riff in this is very close to Spirit in the Sky. It's it's very similar to Spirit in the Sky, which came first in 1969. Although when I hear Spirit in the Sky, I think of Doctor and the Medics because I'm of a certain age. They got to number one in the UK in the mid-1980s, everyone. The drums on this song. If this isn't sampling Rocket, it is copying Rocket. This is my go back and listen. And someone sanity check me. I've been, I'm very honest on this. I'm listening through one ear. This is how I listen to music. I listen through one ear. So have I got this right? Just for the record, by the way, I orient, you can orient headphones so that you get most of the sound through the ear you can hear through. So I am, you know, in, in effect, picking everything up, but that doesn't mean I might not miss stuff. It's so similar. I listened to it as a section and thought that to me, it could almost be a sample. So that's my someone sanity check me on that. Helen's Wheels, right? Quickly on this one, it's from not an album, but like it's because it's a collection of songs that's called The Art of McCartney. It was released in 2014. 
It features a massive 42 songs covering Paul McCartney's solo work, as well as the Beatles and, like this song, The Wings. Joe features on this, and there's another one Joe features on called High, 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 which is also a wing song. Right, I opted for this track, though, Helen's Wheels. This was released as a single in 1973. It was on some version of Band on the Run, but not on other versions of Band on the Run, depending where you were in the world. Also, Helen's Wheels, it's named after Paul McCartney's and Linda McCartney's Land Rover at the time. This is the one that I like the least, and I think it's because of the song itself you know joe's just doing what joe does it's not like a great amazing joe performance or a bad joe performance this is the type of thing i think joe can sing in his sleep uh, you know it's just that it's just at that level he's just he can he can knock this out and do it you know do a good job on this um like quite easily one thing i would say about it and this might relate to what you just said i it is starting to grow on me because I've started listening to it really loud in terms of not on headphones, but in this room, in the sparkle lounge where I am now and just whacking it up. And it's definitely one of those songs that benefits from just whacking it up like really, really loud. I like this. This was one of my little, this was probably my sort of sleeper hit on this. I'm not familiar at all with too much wing stuff. It's the stuff that everybody knows. So band on the run, live and let die that kind of thing you know I'm, I'm really not very familiar at all i enjoyed it and i think because of the first thing i heard a bit like when i'm dead and gone the first thing i heard in there was something that i recognized from the faces this to me i just recognized spirit in the sky straight away and there were no guilty yeah. pleasures spirit in the sky i think is a great song but so yeah i enjoyed it from from kickoff don't have too much to say about it beyond the spirit in the sky thing and i just i'm I'm going mad about this rocket drums thing i really want someone else to do the listening and see whether they think i'm talking complete wham or whether i'm onto something there might be a link there in terms of what's really telling to me on this song is it's from 1973 it sounds a little bit like Paul McCartney's trying to do something contemporary. And what's contemporary in 1973 is the thing that we always link back to Def Leppard and it's that sort of early 70s glam um, sound. And those drums are very reminiscent of the type of rhythm and drum sound you would get in glam songs from the UK in the early 70s. And then, of course, Rocky. The the drum of that was inspired by the Burundi Black back in the day and everything and that. So I wonder if there's lots of influence and sort of lots there's lots of crossovers and influences um here sort of going on that ties all of this sort of stuff together. And then the fact that Joe's picked this song, I think, is very telling because when I was listening to it, I was thinking that doesn't sound anything like a Paul McCartney song. It doesn't really sound like a Wings um, song. Not that I know that much about um, Wings stuff. So. I think it's quite an obvious song for Joe to pick in terms of maybe not doesn't sound like Paul McCartney, but it sounds like a lot of the other stuff from the early 70s that, you know, Def Leppard talk about. I can see you looking something up, Paul. What are you looking up? Just looking, just checking the year. So Burundi Black 1971, this song 1973, it backs up completely what you've just said. And maybe that's what I'm picking up. There you go. Right. We've got two songs left. Okay. We'll save the latest one to the end. Okay. And next up, 
when they go, go, this is for you. So this is a cover of a Mick Ronson song. So it's not a song that Joe Elliott is doing with Mick Ronson. Um, it is a cover of a Mick Ronson song. And um, This Is For You was on Mick Ronson's second solo album, Play Don't Worry, from 1975. Now, this song I've read was written, well, not written, it was, it was recorded for a Mick Ronson documentary called Beside Bowie or Beside Bowie. The Mick Ronson story. I feel sorry for Mick Ronson there. He's got a documentary about him called The Mick Ronson Story. But what they've done is they've called it Beside Bowie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, oh, All, poor fella. Always the bridesmaid. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that came out in 2017, that documentary. So do you know what I did on Saturday, Paul? I watched Ooh. the whole thing, right? Because I was interested in it. I was interested anyway, to be honest. I thought, that sounds like a documentary I would like to watch. And I just wanted to hear where this song figures and features in it. I can confirm it absolutely does not. <laughs> it's not in it. And then at the end, when I was watching the credits to see if I'd missed it, and it's talks, it, it lists the music that's in there. It is definitely not in there. So, you know, hey-ho. But I'm really glad that Joe did this. Now, this song actually featured in the Desert Song episode of... Defle pod because it's about Mick Ronson. I love this song and I think it's great. And I think if you like Joe Elliott, Def Leppard, and you like early David Bowie in terms of Ziggy Stardust era David Bowie, because the Mick Ronson stuff from the early 70s, the solo stuff, sounds like David Bowie. And the reason it sounds like David Bowie is obviously because that's at the time, but also, and he was saying this on this documentary, and I've long thought this the case. You cannot underestimate, Joe Elliott's on that documentary, by the way, you cannot underestimate how the sound of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars and Aladdin Sane and even stuff on like Hunky Dory, like Life from Mars and everything. Load That sound is largely the sound Mick Ronson created. He's responsible for a lot of that sound, a lot of that production, the guitars and what have you. So when you listen to this, it's got all of those sort of it's all like minor chords rather than major chords. It sounds very David Bowie-ish. So therefore, go back to my point. If you like Joe Elliott, if you like that era of David Bowie, I think you will like this song. And I'm not that keen, to be honest. It didn't do anything for me. I did have a question in terms of personnel because, again, I think this is going somewhere in this song in terms of Diamond Star Halos. So do you know who it is who's playing the piano on this? I don't. I wouldn't be remotely surprised if it's Mike Garson because it does, it's got a little touch of that avant-garde. They refer to it as avant-garde. In my head, I'd just think of it as progressive, but uh, this avant-garde piano thing going on. And that very much foreshadows Mike Garson's appearance on Diamond Star Halos. Mm -hmm. I did have a little look to try and find out who the personnel was on this. I didn't stretch myself too hard, if I'm totally honest. So uh, I'd be interested to know who it is who's playing the piano on this. I, I think maybe me sort of key thing on this was... I'm not a massive fan of acoustic, well, acoustic work, acoustic rock, definitely. I'm not someone who wants to hear people unplug, frankly. Uh, mm. Stick an electric guitar in and start wailing around yeah, yeah, on yeah. that. I want, I want you in tight pants and I want you in long hair. That, That's what I'm looking for. So, uh, look, this is a nice chord progression. It's not a bad song, but... It didn't do anything. It didn't. It didn't 
touch it didn't touch my deaf leopard bone <laughs> if you'll pardon that phraseology touch my deaf leopard bone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So ap- apologies, but I'm, I mean, I am in disagreement with you generally in terms of uh, the placing of this one. No, no, no problem whatsoever. Okay, so we've put it out there. I love this song. I think it's great. I think it's really poignant. I think it's a beautiful song. I think it's a lovely song. I think Joe Elliott does a great, great job on it. The reason you can't find out that much about it is I've I've dug everywhere. The only place this exists is a video on YouTube. I can't find it anywhere else, whether it be in hard copy or whether it be, you know, on any streaming service or whatever. So because of that, you're not able to access those credits that you would normally do. So I love it. Paul's not that keen because it doesn't touch his deaf leopard bone. Quote. What do you think? <laughs> Does it touch your deaf leopard bone or not? Let us know via the normal social media channels. <laughs> so the final song, Paul, that we're going to talk about, and I'm not going to lie, said 50% of this was so I could talk about love rain over me. I sort of reckon the other 50% is so we could talk about this, which is a very exciting and recent release this is joe featuring on the track spillways by ghost released very recently on the 27th of january 2023 what was cool about this is it came out of the blue with the only indication of its release and existence even being a very strange youtube video which was came which came out the night before on the 26th of january which sees Joe in a Dublin pub. Ask me about that Dublin pub in a minute, Paul, where he's singing this song on a karaoke. Then he goes into a weird trance-like state. And then we see him drawing like a neon triangle or something like that. So the original version of this song obviously features on Ghost's Impera album, which was released on the 11th of March, 2022. And as a single in July 2022. The original, of course, doesn't feature Joe Elliott on vocals, but the singer Tobias Forge, I believe I've pronounced that uh, correctly. So this is one where there's been a bit of a loving between a band. When that Impera album came out, lots of the interviews were saying that, you know, they approached it in many ways that Def Leppard did, and they were almost looking for that Def Leppard sound. A few years ago, Phil Collin got Joe into Ghost. And then I think Joe's listened to that album. Plus, he's got wind of the nice things that they were saying about Def Leppard. They've got together. And then essentially, it's the exact same track. There's no difference to what's on the Impera album, except they've taken off Tobias Forge's vocals, except for the first couple of lines he is on it. And then they've Joe's recorded his own vocals and they've just, you know, copied and pasted that in or whatever they do. So first things, Paul, Spillways, did you know this song originally and what do you think of it? It's a great song and I did know it because Impera is a fantastic album. As soon as I heard Ghost, to me, I, I could hear Def Leppard all over it. And, and this goes this goes back years. First of all, just as a promotional tool, this is a fantastic thing for Def Leppard because I think it's arguable that Ghost are of the of a new wave. So let's not count Metallica and Iron Maiden and Megadeth, you know, these, these war horses sort of thing. Of the newer, I use the word metal very lightly when it comes mm. to Ghost, 
image is very metal, but that's really just pure yeah. theatre. This is a they're they're very much in the pop rock kind of vein. It's not overly heavy in a, in a lot of places. This is going to get an absolute ton of publicity for Def Leppard at a time where they're trying to sell tickets worldwide for stadium and arena shows. They're, they're embarking on an unbelievably ambitious tour, so it's a fantastic piece of promotion. Just think that video is off its tits. There is one bit in it that it, I think is a really good piece of acting from Joe, it, which is when he first gets up to do the karaoke, the guy uh, says, you know, what's your name? And Joe sort of, there's a split second where he looks indignant that the guy doesn't know who he is. That's So just go back and have a look at that because it's a nice piece of acting from Joe. But yeah, I thought the YouTube video was, I, I, I didn't know what to make of it really. One little thing I was going to give you about the pub. Okay, the pub is called the Blue Light Pub. It's in Dublin. It's not far from uh, where Joe lives. I am not going to take any credit for this absolute fact that you would never know. So this comes from the Def Leppard Tour History website, which is an amazing website, by the way. And the person or people who run it, the just amount of work they just must put in it. And it's been going for years. It's just, there's so much information in it. And you just get stuff in it like this that you would not find anywhere else. You would not find it anywhere else whatsoever. And that says, and I'm quoting from the website, and I will credit it. Look at the link. I'm going to put a link in the show notes um, below so you can go straight to this um, website. I'm giving them full credit here. You two fans may recognize the pub as the Blue Light Pub, where bassist Adam Clayton was arrested in 1989 for possession of marijuana. So you two and a, a drugs bust of <laughs> some sort. Right, going back onto the song, Paul, how do you think Joe fits into it? Yeah, perfectly, which speaks to me to something, just a little thing on Tobias Forge. So I should love Ghost. Ghost really ought to be like my second or third favourite band because they are doing, they're doing what Def Leppard do, they're doing what the Scorpions do, they're doing this pop, rock, cum, metal, thing and i'm begging for tobias forge just to do a little bit more with his voice on ghost records he sings in exactly the same manner in the same range on every single song you talked earlier about how joe uh he's he character so he plays characters almost with his voice and he had these little squeaks and things like this and he, he emotes an awful lot on his voice I really feel like Tobias Forge could do with some of that because I find listening to like a, a whole ghost album, sometimes I find it a little tiring on the ear from that point of view, if I'm completely honest. But on this song, he's singing in that place where Joe can sing it in his sleep. It, it, it's incredibly comfortable for Joe. I think he sounds really, really good on it. It's it's a really good song anyway. It could have been a Def Leppard song in another life. The opening, by the way, listen to the opening of this, then go and listen to the opening of Runaway by Bon Jovi. It's clear again that Tobias Forge has taken inspiration from, from that as well here, which tells you where this is pitched. Tons of fun to listen to. Really glad it's happened. Could be quietly a nice, significant moment ahead of the stadium tour, this release. It was a cool thing to come out of the blue, wasn't it? Um, you know, in terms of something you weren't expecting. 
And you go, oh, that's cool. And I think Def Leppard have done well in that in recent years and sort of, you know, when there has been gaps and things, whether it be social media or YouTube or, you know, box set releases, you know, like all like the early years release or some of the stuff that they do for record store. Day. I think definitely in the last few years, Def Leppard have done a much better job at like just every now and again, just sort of waving their hand and saying, oh, we're doing this thing as well. Obviously, they're very busy at the moment with the stadium tour, but this just seems like a continuation of just making sure that they're present for Def Leppard fans and, and you know, out there doing stuff, and, and that, that's great to see. Right, that's all of the songs. Before we came on, as you said, Paul, I did say, as we mentioned, I put on Facebook. Um, you can go and check us out. We're on there as Def Leppard Pod Neil. Facebook closed down our Def Leppard Pod account because they thought we were trying to look like we're Def Leppard. I can guarantee me and Paul do not look like Def Leppard. So yeah, it's under Def Leppard Pod Neil. If you're not following us on there, go and follow us on there. Quite interactive and you get to have do things like this now. So I've put if you know any, what's your favorite non-Def Leppard song that features on? Okay, right. Um I'm gonna go first names. Blair has said don't look down. Just remember, everyone, that's the Mick Ronson song, the first one we started talking about. Donna said, <laughs> Overnight Angels, that is a down-and-out song, but not an original by Joe. Tracy said, Love's, Love Lies Bleeding, Elton John song. Joe performed with Down and Out. Yeah, that's a good choice. Debbie has said, Love Rain Over Me. Okay, and then there's lots of stuff in there. Um, I think Jane has commented on Debbie's comments, as I saying, like, what a vocal. So we're not alone in thinking that. Carolyn has said, good night, Mr. Jones. Do you know where good night, Mr. Jones is from, Paul? So that's from the Down and Out, This Is How We Roll album. And that's the song that is about David Bowie or David Bowie. So okay, okay. Uh, I don't think you'll like it, Paul. I'll just be honest. But, you know, check, check, check it out if you want. Okay. Jason has said, this is for you. Todd has said, I second, don't look down. Andy, who's contributed to this podcast before and been on it, and is on a forthcoming episode where we're going to be doing High and Dry. Um, he said, don't look down as well. Apologies if I pronounced your name wrong here. She or Shay or Shea. Apologies. Right. They've said this one, and it's 6 a.m. Maybe it's time. I think that's like Nikki Six's sort of thing that he does. Now, I know that song. I remember listening to it when it came out. Um, and I suppose this is one where you're talking about, is it the song or is it Joe? Because I couldn't hear Joe in this at all. But I'm assuming someone else might be able to hear them, but I'm assuming this person really likes the song as well. Do you know that one, Paul? No, I was just looking at who else is on it. It's a bit of a, it sounds like there's probably a lot of voices on it. Corey Taylor is on it. Joe Brantley Gilbert, I'll be honest, he's not someone I know, but there's loads, there's quite a few vocalists on that one. Okay. Kristen, get in, Kristen. Let it shine. Okay. By the down <laughs> and outs. Shine. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Michelle has said, currently it's spillways with Ghost. Catriona, again, apologies if I said your name wrong, um, has said Ghost, spillways. Bryce, so Bryce has said the one he is solely featured on by Ghost was really, really good, but I liked his collaboration with Mick Ronson way back when as well. So he's talking about Don't Look Down. Helen has said Don't Look Down. Andy has said This Is How We Roll. That's the name of the album, but there's also a song on there called This Is How We Roll. You know what? Maybe they're the ones that, if you were going to like that Down and Outs album, 
maybe it's just a faster, rockier stuff on there that you might like, the non-acoustic, non-piano stuff. This is how we we roll, is one of them. Sakis has said, Marionette or Overnight Angels. I think they're both down and out songs, or Overnight Angels certainly is, I assume, Marionette is off one of the earlier ones. Penny has said, I hate how much I want you by the struts, or Don't Look Down by, you know, with uh, Mick Ronson. Sorry, that strut song, Neil, is brilliant. Are you familiar with that one? I am. Is that the one where it's um, Joe's at the start and they're doing that little um, King of the Leopards and all of that? Exactly that, yeah. Brilliant, cracking song. Karen, don't look down. Karen has put, here's one I heard Joe play on his radio show. She's then put a YouTube link and it's Junkman, Tracy Hunter, featuring Joe Elliott and Phil Collin, right? Okay, we'll have to go and check that out, Paul. I've, I've never heard of that one before. Mariana said, I spillways, the ghost one. Victoria, spillways. Stephen, don't look down. Laurie has said, love lies bleeding, funeral for a friend. We had that earlier on. Um, that's down and out. Kenyon, don't look down. I didn't realize so many people have replied. Rachel has said, hi, 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 on the tribute album, The Art of McCartney. He just sounds like he's having so much fun. Steve has said, don't look down. Laurie has said lots of down and out songs. There's so many good ones and definitely Spillways by Ghost. There you go. Two days at the time that we are recording. They are all of the ones that are on there. If you have since um, put a comment on there, I haven't left you out on purpose. It's just a time and space thing (laughs) that's occurred here. Right. Okay. So, Paul, got a 10 song playlist. I'm going to give two recommendations i'll make sure they're different to yours um and you're going to give two recommendations so i think we can do that not overlap on our venn diagram of uh, opinion on this so give me your first recommendation if people are only going to go out and listen to a few of these songs not bother with the whole playlist you should but just a few what one would you say that they should definitely go out and listen to it's not going to come as a surprise, Neil. It's Love, Rain, Oh Me. I am going to go. I've, I am a massive massive advocate for This Is For You, which is Joe essentially on his own doing a Mick Ronson song. Very, sort of, well, a relatively obscure song. Difficult to get hold of other than on YouTube. And I think it's just a hidden gem of a song that really, really does need to be released. So with that Volume 4 box set that's coming out this year, Def Leppard, then just throw this on it somewhere, anywhere, doesn't matter, just whack it on, just so I've got an actual copy of it, uh, rather than on YouTube, right, next up for you, what is your second must song to go to? So I'll pick the best performance in the first instance, I'll pick the best song, in the next instance it's Don't Look Down, the Mick Ronson song, which I think from a, a quick mental tally, that's the one that most people I think went for in the Facebook and then last of all, what I am going to say is I'm going to go for the obvious one, the latest one, Spillways, just because it's an absolutely brilliant song and Joe features in it and features in it very well. And I just like the whole idea of the loving and just a little bit of sort of YouTube stuff, even though it's a mad video that's gone around it. And that was just quite exciting, I thought, a week or so ago. Right, Paul, thank you very much for coming on to Def Lap Pod. If we were going to do this again, with a different, I was going to say character then, yeah, a different character from the <laughs> Death Leopard story. And we were going to look at the sort of 
side projects, who would you go for? Well, Vivian feels like the obvious person, I suppose, in terms of volume. So maybe Vivian. How much stuff has Sav actually done? Is there, is there much volume there from Sav at all? Is there, Any idea? No, there's hardly anything from Sav. There's a couple of like demos that you can find in the deeper recesses of YouTube and things. But in terms of official musical projects he's done, he is he is very monogamous in terms of, you know, he's just got one lady band in his life, and that is um, Def Leppard. So you're yeah. saying Vivian Campbell? Yes, I think that's the obvious one. Right, it's a date. Next time we do something like this, we're doing Vivian Campbell. Thanks, awesome. Paul. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.